Amen. Um, I'd like to start by reading you a story. Um, it's a familiar story, so you've got to be patient with me. Um, but it's a good one, it's a favourite. Here it is. Each peach, pear plum, I spy Tom Thumb. Tom Thumb in the cupboard, I spy Mother Hubbard. Mother Hubbard down the cellar, I spy Cinderella. Cinderella on the stairs, I spy the three bears. The three bears out hunting, I spy Baby Bunting. Baby Bunting, fast asleep, I spy Bo Peep. Bo Peep up the hill, I spy Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill in the ditch, I spy the Wicked Witch. The Wicked Witch over the wood, I spy Robin Hood. Robin Hood in his den, I spy the bears again. The three bears still hunting, they spy Baby Bunting. Baby Bunting, safe and dry. I spy plum pie. Plum pie in the sun. I spy everyone. Now, um, for those maybe right at the back, or uh, those on listening in on the recording, uh, you've not probably noticed quite how awkward the last 30 seconds or so were, because I was reading a completely different story to the one I was holding up. It took some of you a few seconds, but the painful awkwardness around the room, as you thought, has he gone mad, was pretty clear. And thankfully, I haven't gone mad. And I was reading a very different story. Someone I trust once said to me, you've been put in a place to communicate to others, but the moment what you say doesn't match what you do, you become a fraud. You need to be a picture book person. And they remain challenging words. Maybe that's been your experience of the Christian faith. You've been in other places. You've met other people where the message doesn't match the reality. You've spoken to people who can talk a good talk. They know just where to turn when the Bible reading happens. They know all the words to the songs. They're familiar with the Bible stories. They know how to navigate their way around church life. They know all the Christian words and phrases. And you see, in one context, they're doing great things. But you know, in reality... Behind the scenes, something doesn't match. And ultimately, you're put off. I'm not sure what to make of it. Maybe that's what you're tempted to be like. Tempted to portray this image of being a great Christian. You've been around the church scene for a while. You know just how to sit back in a Bible study and make an insightful comment. You know you can do the things that impress people. You can give people a pretty good impression, or at least you're desperately trying. But does it really match what's going on behind the scenes? Look, this afternoon, Paul's got a warning for us. 
Paul, here in these verses, he's addressing a group of Jews who are convinced that they're superior, knowledgeable, well-taught. They're convinced that those things, in fact, make them good. Look down at the first few verses. They give us six things for these Jews to be proud of. Have a look down at verse 17. You call yourself a Jew. It's their national identity. It's who they are. It's their heritage. It's what they cling to. They're proud of it. You rely on the law. The law is the thing that they want to return to, to place their confidence in. They boast in God. They brag about the relationship that they and their people have with God. They're chosen Israel to be his people. I look down again. Know his will and approve of what is superior. See these Jews, they're, they're confident in making good ethical decisions making standpoints on things they're instructed by the law they're able to remember it they're able to give smart answers on it they'd know it inside out and look they're convinced they're a guide for the blind these people they're an example to the non-jews around them that's what they're convinced of and look it's worth being really clear that for the jews These were good things that in their time, God had given to his people. That's what the Jews were. Before Jesus came, that was the way that God engaged with his people. But you see, the way that the Jews are living now, the way that you see their attitude, it shows that they've missed the point for two reasons. First, Using the law as a way to life only leads to death. You see, all of these things are good things given by God. But each of these things, they're given to the Jews originally to show that God has to make a way for his people. They speak of mankind's inability to save themselves. They each point to the faithful God. And remind us of an unfaithful people. See, they point towards an ultimate solution. And do you see what the Jews have done? They've missed the point. They've missed the point and made these things the very things that they're bragging about. And so we get to this point in Romans and Paul's addressing the people who think that they could stand right before God because of what they are like, because of what they can achieve, because of what they have done. And they've missed the point because the whole point of these things was you can only ever stand before God because of what he is like. And these Jews, they're going on about the Jewish customs that they've been able to uphold that make them righteous. That's what they think. But look at the reality, verse 23. You who boast in the law, do dishonour God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. They're a disgrace. They're literally a disgrace on God's name. 
because they're inconsistent. Their story doesn't match. Because whilst they're outwardly confident in the law, they could never keep it perfectly. This is what it says in Romans 3, verse 20, just a page on. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. See, the Jews, they're a fraud. They're telling a story that doesn't match. And so they dishonour God. They undermine him. They're hypocrites. And look, for us, in the room this afternoon, not many of us would ever have claimed to place any value or worth or confidence in our Jewishness. But there's a temptation for us to have the same heart, the same attitude, thinking that good things make us righteous, showing off outward morality, boasting in ethical decision-making, being able to understand, remember God's, what God says in his word, banking on having a respectable upbringing, being brought up within the church, having been around for some time, knowing how to navigate it. You might know the church scene inside out. You might attempt to confidently navigate it. Even be able to take a lead in it. But how's your heart? Those good things do not make a person righteous. Trying to do those good things won't solve the issue that Romans 1 to 3 is telling us that we have with God. Because the issue we have with God is one of our heart. And attempting to cover that up by doing good things will only make it worse. Look at verse 21. You then, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? Can I ask you? Are you a picture book person? Does your story match? Are you authentic? Or are you quick to show you know the answer and slow to actually think about it? Are you quick to point out the failures of others but not interested in addressing your own failures? Are you quick to think and speak about what is right? but slow to let God's truth shape your heart. And look, in all of these things, just trying harder to be better is not the answer. It can't be, because Paul's warning is this, using the law as a way to life only leads to death. And second, trying to find righteousness in the things we do, only leads to rejecting God's free gift. Because you see what happened when Jesus arrived? Things changed for the Jews. Because all the way through the Old Testament, God was making covenants with his people. A covenant is simply an agreement or a partnership between God and his people. God made promises and asked his people to keep a commitment 
the old covenant involved these religious practices that the Jews were to observe. They were a very practical way for the Jews to recognise their sin and to demonstrate their trust in a faithful God. But you see, the people of Israel, they were consistently unable to keep their side of the agreement. There needed to be new ones because they failed. And so while the Jews were were living by these instructions, they were being kept from completely wayward living and they were being reminded of their desperate need for God to make a way. And so the Jews, they should have been waiting for this new covenant, this new agreement, the fulfilment of every, every agreement that God had made with his people. The full and final way that God would rescue his people. Here's what God tells his prophet Jeremiah to write down 600 years before Jesus arrives. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbour or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. See, Jesus shows us God's new covenant. That's what he brings. The agreement with the Jews has changed. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, wickedness is forgiven and sins are not remembered. Because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Christian is someone who is being changed inwardly to become more like Jesus. To live according to God's law. Because Jesus himself dwelt with us, we don't need to go to a temple in the same way to approach God. Because he's shown himself to us. Jesus is God's full and final message to his people. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Jesus has provided washing of sins. And his work is done. But the way that the Jews respond to this new agreement shows that there's something about their hearts that they didn't recognise the previous agreement. There's something that they don't like about God's rescue here. Because they can't do anything to earn it. And so, do you see what they're doing? They're clinging on to the outward signs, the things that they can do, as if they're a way that they can be right before God. But it shows that they miss the point of these things. All of these things are given to help God's people know God has to make a way. It's like that's the repeated message of the Old Testament. God has to make a way. And the message of Jesus, I am the way. The way in which an unrighteous people can live with a righteous God. But you see, these Jews, they think, 
I'm superior because I'm circumcised. I can remember the Torah. I can keep the Sabbath. I celebrate these festivals, keep the food laws. So I'm right with God. They've missed the point. It's like the Jews were using those good things of the old covenant as a badge to say, this is who we are. But actually, that badge is not reflecting who they are. When I was in year 13, at Knight Templar School, I was good friends with a boy called Max. We were in a few lessons together, we played football together, and he lived a few doors down from me. So we spent a good amount of time together. Max was the head boy. He was um, reputable around our town. He was responsible. He was um, presentable and intelligent. He was a really good friend of mine. And so he had this relationship with the head teacher, a relationship where they would be on regular speaking terms, a relationship of trust. He'd get given responsibility to address the New Year 7 parents and the sixth form um, open evening. Max had this special access, this special arrangement, and he had this special badge. Max's head boy badge, bright and big on his blazer, said everything. And you see, I'd look at that badge every now and again and go, oh, head boy, it's a privilege. Now, if after football training one time, I just snuck that badge off Max's blazer, just stuck it on mine and thought, you know what, I can blag it. I'm pretty sure I could go and tell a few year sevens to put their tie back straight. I'm pretty sure I could convince a few people that me, I was the head boy. I'm pretty sure that if I went to a random shop on the way home from school, proudly waltzed in with my head boy badge, I'd get a bit of respect. But you see, if the next morning, on the way into school just cross paths with the head teacher. It'd be game over, wouldn't it? I'd be shown to be a con. I'm not a head boy. I didn't have that relationship with the head teacher. And so sticking on that badge, it didn't change who I was. It might work to impress a few people, but it didn't change the reality. Because it's all about the relationship between Max And Mr. Pickering. Look at verse 28. A person is not a Jew who is only one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. See what Paul's saying? It's not a badge you can just stick on to make you righteous. Verse 29. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart, by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. See, these Jews, they can't be presented righteous by trying to meet a written code. These Jews can't be presented righteous by appearing good enough in front of enough people. The message has been consistent all along. 
A person's status before God is based on their heart. And the book of Romans, it's given us a bleak picture so far. Before God, our hearts are fractured. There's nothing we can do just by ourselves to sort that out. And so we're in desperate need of God's help. Putting on a badge doesn't cut it. Where are you in danger of putting on a badge in your Christian life? Good things. Read the Bible, listen to Christian songs, give away money, putting yourself on a rotor, looking good. All good things, really good things. But if you just stick them on as a badge, you don't become righteous. Just stick some of those things on for a bit and you might get some praise from people. You might get a bit of recognition, but not from God. Because God is in the business of heart change. That was the promise of his new covenant. We need to recognise what we need is rescue from a rotten heart. And the result of a new heart will be lots of those good things, but they're a result they flow from. You might be able to fake it in front of a few people by sticking on a few badges, but you can never fake it before God. Man looks on the outside, but God (coughs) looks at the heart. And sooner or later, if you're living inconsistently, it will show. Paul's warning for us this afternoon is this. If you see yourself as morally decent, if you see yourself as religiously active, or even if you're thinking about trying it, those things don't make you right before God. Don't try and tell a story that doesn't match. Don't try and stick on badges of religiosity. Instead, come to Jesus. And when you trust in Jesus, you have a free gift that you could not earn. You're given his right status before God. We don't need to praise ourselves, talk up our own morality. We don't need to tell a story. We don't need to live for the praise of others. But instead, we can be completely authentic and say, I am a sinner who has been transformed so that I now have a right standing before Jesus. And with the Spirit at work in me, I'm being transformed to be more and more like him. Let me pray. Father, please, please would you help us and guard us against thinking that we can make ourselves right on our own. Please would you stop us from trying to tell a story that doesn't match. Please would you stop us from just sticking on badges that people might recognise.
Father, please would you help us to come to the Lord Jesus, who gives us a new heart. Amen. Well, we're going to sing together. Um, Let's stand and sing as we speak of the only way that we can be saved, by Jesus and what he's done for us. Let's sing.